Now as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they had come to a place called Golgotha, they said, that is to say, place of a skull, they gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink. But when he had tasted it, he would not drink. Then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Sitting down, they kept watch over him there. And they put up over his head the accusation written against him, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. With him they also crucified two robbers. One on his right, the other on his left. So the scriptures were fulfilled which says, And he was numbered with the transgressors. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who destroy the temple and build it in three days. Save yourself and come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also mocking among themselves with the scribes said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe even those who were crucified with him reviled him. Now it was about the sixth hour. And there was darkness all over the earth until the ninth hour. Then the sun was darkened and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father... Into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. From all of the words I have just read, we will study today a word that will make you choose a side. It's not going to be this side versus that side. It's not going to be Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Green Bay Packers. I'm not going to make you choose. But I'm going to make you choose a side. And the, and the word that we talk about today, you've got to make a choice. You've got to. You will know what side you're on when you leave here today. The death of Jesus is the most famous death in all of history. Jesus was nailed to a cross. The word cross is tonight's word study. The cross means so much to us as Christians. Tonight's word study will understand the doctrine surrounding the word cross, and we'll examine what really happened the day that Jesus died on the cross. 
as we study the word cross, we'll, under, we'll understand why the cross is the most famous synecdoche of all time. A synecdoche is a figure of speech where one thing stands for many things. And if I say the word cross to you, that's all I have to say for you to understand the death and the pain and the struggle and the torment, all the things that encompass the word cross. All these things come rushing to your mind when I say the word cross. The New Testament uses the word skillfully and, and, and we understand that when it's used, it's used for the totality of what Jesus went through when He died for you and me. The cross was an instrument of death. To be hung upon a cross was to die painfully, was to die humiliatingly. In my research of what a cross was and how it was used, I found that the original Greek word of staros denoted primarily an upright stake that one would be nailed to. An upright pole just drove into the ground. But during the time of Christ, the word staros could have been used for any type of, of crucifixion. The stake could have been used to impale. It could have been used to nail the victim to as you see in one of the pictures. The victim could have been affixed to a tree or nailed in the traditional upright pole and crossbeam configuration. We know only a little about the cross that Jesus was nailed to. We know that His, his hands and His feet were nailed. We, we read that from the Scriptures and from the accounts of Jesus' crucifixion. The X shape, as, as you see in, in one of the pictures here, the X shape is rejected. Many say uh, the Apostle James was crucified on this shape, but the X shape is rejected by most scholars for the same reason the capital T shape is rejected by most scholars. Although both were used at the time of Jesus for, for folks to be crucified, although they were both used, the Scriptures say that Pilate wrote a sign to be placed above Jesus on the cross. It says that in Matthew chapter 27, verse 37, Mark chapter 15, verse 26, Luke chapter 23, verse 38, and John chapter 19, verse 19. All types of shapes were used during the time of Christ for people to be crucified on. There was no one shape. Ju uh, the Judean historian Josephus, he states that at the siege of Jerusalem in, in AD 70, he says the soldiers out of rage and hatred nailed those they caught one after one way and another after another to crosses by way of jest. They just nailed them however they caught them. The Roman historian Seneca the Younger recounts, I see crosses there, not just of one kind, but made in many different ways. Some have their victims with head down to the ground. Some impale their private parts. Others stretch out their arms on the gibbet. According to Wikipedia, the discovery of a crucified body in Jerusalem in 1960, or, yeah, excuse me, 1968, dating from the time 
of Jesus showed that the point of the nail used had olive wood fragments. And since olive trees are not very tall, the condemned man in this instance was probably crucified at eye level. Can you imagine? It's hard to imagine looking into the eyes of a crucified Jesus. In some cases, the condemned was forced to carry the crossbeam on his shoulders to the place of execution. A whole cross could weigh over 300 pounds, the scholars said, but the crossbeam would only weigh 75 to 125 pounds. The Roman historian Tacticus, he records that the city of Rome had a specific place for carrying out executions, he said, situated out the Esquiline Gate in Rome. It had a specific area reserved for executions of slaves by crucifixion. Upright posts were permanently fixed into the ground. And those to be executed would carry the beam to these upright posts. And after they were nailed, then affixed to the crosses. The most widely accepted shape, of course, is the, is the T-shape. To many in the world, this is the symbol for Christianity. Yet many Christians find the cross a strange symbol to use and reject all symbols. To some, it is strange to wear an instrument of torture around your neck much like wearing an electric chair. Could you see any of us wearing an electric chair around our neck, a symbol of one? To many Christians, any symbol is a form of idolatry because there's no biblical support for using a cross for a symbol or using any symbol for that matter. According to Vine's New Testament dictionary, the... T-shaped symbol is a throwback to the pagan symbol for the god Tammuz. And it says, he writes, In order to increase the prestige of the apostate ecclesiastical system, pagans were received into the church apart from regeneration by faith and were permitted largely to retain their pagan signs and symbols. What he's saying there is, these pagans, they wanted them in the church, they just let them come into the church however. And they brought their pagan symbols with them. Side note, let me chase a rabbit. It's happening in the church today too. Those outside our fellowship, many in our fellowship are letting them come in whatever baptism they've been baptized with. Whatever you believe, just come on in. And we'll make you a part of our fellowship. We'll call you brother. It happens today. Oh, What a brutal death. What a brutal death the cross was. Brother Tom Moore writes this. Why should, why should such a hideous instrument of shame be transformed into an object of glory by the early Christians? Do men today honor the hangman's noose or the electric chair? Does anyone wear these emblems as an item of adornment? Hardly. It was because the cross ceased to be an embarrassment in the light of the resurrection. 
Had Jesus remained dead, the cross would have ever been an object of infamy. The cross then became, becomes a silent witness, an apologetic for the authenticity of Christianity. Such a brutal death. Just such a brutal death that we, that we wear around our necks and we, we put them on our walls. Barbaric. Brother Charles Hodge said this, No word in the English language is more meaningful than the cross. It is a lifelong study for all Christians. Crucifixion stripped people of human dignity. In public view, a man was left naked, helpless, and open to abuse. The word excruciating literally means out of the cross. But the truth of what the cross is all about must be anchored not in history or in scientific facts, but it must be anchored in what the Word of God says. Under the Old Testament, hanging a body on a tree was to curse the person hung. It says in the law, it's stated in Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 23, it says, His body shall not remain overnight on the tree, but you shall surely bury him that day, so that you do not defile the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, for he who is hanged is accursed of God. And yet the New Testament designates the cross of Christ as a tree in numerous places. It says in Acts chapter 5, verse 30, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Acts chapter 10, verse 39, and we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem whom they killed by hanging on a tree. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. The Lord's death on a cross on this tree was a fitting symbol of the fact that he bore the shame and he bore the curse for all of us. And as we have now, and as we will receive, we'll receive the benefit in our receiving the benefit of the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. It says in Romans chapter 6 verse 3, Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. And and to get to this point, to get to this point, the doctrine of the cross must be preached and must be heard. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. Paul's not saying here, do not be baptized. That's not what he's saying. Because of the cross, when you understand, you'll want to be baptized. When you understand it, you'll want to. You'll want to obey. You can't help but obey when you understand. 
war, you turn your back completely. It's not because of pretty words that you should obey, but because of all that Christ went through on your behalf that you obey Him. If you obey to please me or anyone, the death of of Jesus Christ on the cross was in vain. When the cross is preached, we identify with, with the crucifixion. The cross identifies us as Christians. Romans chapter 6, verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, and that we should no longer be slaves of sin. And since I'm no longer a slave, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The wonderful grace of God means that righteousness comes from the cross. Christ did not die in vain. When we obey the gospel and identify with the cross of Christ, we are now reconciled to God. The cross reconciles us. What separated us? Well, sin. Sin separates us from God. God cannot have sin in His presence. Jesus broke down barriers. He broke down barriers between God and man. He broke down barriers between Jew and Gentile. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 16, and that He might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And having heard the gospel, identifying with the cross of Christ, having done that, and having been reconciled to God, because of the cross, we now have peace. The cross means peace for each and every one of us. Colossians chapter 1, verse 19. For it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell, and by Him to reconcile all things to Himself by Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now He has reconciled in the body of His flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in His sight. We can now come into the presence of God. We live differently than other people. Or we should. We live differently because of the cross. Galatians chapter 5 verse 24, And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passion and desires. Have you been crucified with Christ? Have you been crucified with Christ? Or do we have a hard time telling in your life where the world ends and Christ begins? Galatians, if you would please, Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. We, we, we boast in the most horrible death imaginable. Why? Because the cross means salvation. The cross means salvation. What can the world do for me that the cross can't? Nothing. Nothing. 
the cross of Christ means everything to the Christian. Christian, the world should be dead to you and you should be dead to the world. You see, the cross abolished the law of the Old Testament. Colossians chapter 2, verse 14, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, and all the powers and principalities that that shamed our Lord while He was on the cross, while He was on the cross, all those wagging their heads and shaming Him while He was there. It says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, having disarmed principalities and powers, He made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them in it, the cross. But you see, there are, there are many enemies of the cross. The cross has, has many enemies. You, you can know who they are. They don't walk right. That's how you know them. They, they don't walk right. It, it says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 17, Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies, enemies of the cross of Christ. The Hebrew writer explains these enemies by using a negative form of the word cross. You know, a lot of times in, in the Greek word we have the word staros for cross, where you put an A on the front of that and it makes it negative. The word that I'm about to tell you is, is, is a negative form of the word for cross. It says in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 6, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and, having, and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have taken, tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. You're a Christian. You're a Christian. It's impossible once you've been enlightened it's impossible since you've become a Christian that if you fall away to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put Him to open shame. Crucify again. It's that negative form of the word for cross. We must not get into a rut and not ask forgiveness of God when we as Christians sin. You know, I think we do that. I think we get into a rut sometimes to where we, we sin and we just let it go. And we sin and we just let it go. And we sin and we just let it go. If you continue to do that, you might as well drive a stake in the ground and crucify Him once again. But God is faithful and just if we confess our sins, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. He's faithful if we confess our sins to Him. Charles Hodge, again, he says, What does Christianity have that other religions do not and cannot have? Jesus Christ and His cross. God cannot and will not Save man apart from Christ and His cross. He says again, Hodge writes, There is no cheap grace. 
Grace does not overlook, evade, forget, or repeal God's truth, wrath, or punishment. Grace absorbs the price, absorbs the penalty, and absorbs the punishment for sin. Every, listen to this, every impenitent sinner and every sin is punished, either in Christ or in hell. Do you get what he's saying there? You're a sinner. You're a sinner, and your sins are going to be paid for either by Jesus Christ and His cross or in hell. Matthew 10, 38. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Matthew 16, 24. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Luke 9, 23. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Mark 8, 34. Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross And follow me. If you don't do this, you're out. Christian and non-Christian. If you don't take up the cross of Jesus Christ, you're out. Christianity is the most inclusive religion in the world. If you're in Christ. But if you have not gotten your cross and continually carry it for the rest of your life... You're out. Don't shoot the messenger. Look what Jesus says. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. You cannot be his disciple if you, you personally, personally, Christian, don't take up the cross and follow you. Christianity is a life. Christianity is a life. You ever heard of somebody, hey, get a life. Yeah, Christianity is one. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 31. I affirm by the boasting in which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. He said, Paul said, I die daily. I die daily. Not on Sunday morning. On the bench you're on. Not on Wednesday night in your Bible class. Daily. Daily. Every day, Christian, you choose to die. Brother, Brother Hodge again. Daily death is a daily choice. Christians living crucified with Christ, are facing only one direction. Christians living crucified with Christ can never turn back. Christians living crucified with Christ no longer have plans of their own. Christians living crucified with Christ have minds through which Christ thinks, have hearts through which Christ loves, have a voice through which Christ speaks, have bodies through which Christ serves. A cross is not... Is not some, a cross is something we, we take up, not something we put up with. Yeah, I gotta go to church today. You gotta put up with it. A cross is something you take up and you live with daily.
Christian, you're not a victim. You are in in control of your daily cross-carrying. You're not a victim. It's not something that happens to you. It's something that you take up and you carry. Look back at at Galatians. It's on the screen. Look back at Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. But I want to go to the next verse, verse 21. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Never forget the grace of God. The free gift of God. You you can't earn it. You can't buy it. It's given. It's given on condition. Cross cost Jesus his life, and it will cost you your life too. We live because he died. It's the only reason we live. And it's the only reason we'll live for eternity because he died on the cross. Now, we could go into nail placement. The research I've read this week has been very interesting. We could go into the effects produced upon the body that's hanging on the cross. We could go into the medical terms for what scholars understand actually killed Jesus. But none of that will really help you as much as knowing what really happened the day that Jesus was nailed to the cross. This is one of my favorite paintings. It's by uh, Tassat. And the title of the painting is Jesus' view from the cross. The Son of God, innocent, pure, allowed himself to be crucified. Why? Why? What really happened on the cross that day? What really happened when Jesus was nailed to it? What really happened on that cross, though shocking, forces each and every one of us to look. You want to know what really happened on the cross that day? I mean, do you really want to know what happened on the cross the day Jesus died? Really know? Let me tell you, what really happened on the cross that day, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Let me tell you, what happened on the cross that day was love. Just pure love. You won't find any better love than what happened on the cross that day. Romans chapter 5 verse 8, God demonstrated His own love toward us that while we were still sinners, Christ died. Romans chapter 6 verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What happened on the cross that day was God's love 
and God's kindness. Turn over in your Bibles, if you would, to Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. Beginning with verse 4. It says, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by His grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Even when today the gospel is preached, those of us who obey, we identify with the cross. On the cross that day, the Old Testament with its ordinances against us was nailed to the cross and we are reconciled to God. We have peace with God. Now if you would turn to Philippians chapter 2 verse 5. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you. This is talking to you, okay? Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, having taken the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. We are to be that obedient. Verse 12, with fear and trembling, we're to work out our salvation. When faced with the cross, the proper response is to take up our own, to be drawn to Christ. Will you humble yourself and become obedient to the point of death? Die to self. Death of self. One last passage. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. We are to be, Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2, Looking unto Jesus, we're to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So now, what is your response to the cross of Jesus Christ? What is your response? Do you look to Jesus? You cannot be neutral. You can't be neutral. You are forced today to virtually look into the eyes of Jesus Christ and give Him an answer. I will take up my cross or I won't take up my cross. I will or I won't. Now we've read how Jesus 
responded when he was faced with the same decision. He was faced with the decision to take up his cross or not take up his cross. Remember, we sang the song, He could have called 10,000 angels. He could have. When Jesus was faced with this decision, what he did is he took up his cross. What will you do? Will you humble yourself and become obedient to the point of death? How will you respond? What will you decide? It's the hope of this congregation that you will decide to put Christ on in baptism and take up your cross and follow Him daily. It is the the hope of this congregation that if you have fallen away and you've dropped your cross, that you'll pick up the cross and continue continue carrying it the rest of your life because it's a lifelong, daily decision. Come forward. Tell us your decision right now as together we stand and sing.